What's going on, awesome people of the interwebs and all of the podcast world? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is actually episode number 61. And this episode is going to be surrounding something that has been annoying me for a little bit of time. I run a product agency and a lot of people say, what the heck is that? So a product agency is we help early stage companies and products, mainly in a digital capacity. We help people, we help young entrepreneurs, we help every type of entrepreneur really, we help um, large scale corporations and kind of everything that's in between to first of all, understand what they're trying to build, um, to figure out where in the market they're gonna launch their product. We help them to design it, to iterate on it, to build it and to measure it. And all of the different idiosyncrasies and kind of nuances that sit in between all of that. And I guess in my own background or my own kind of experience, I've always had a huge interest in taking something that is nothing more than an idea or a concept and turning it into something that is tangible and substantial through nothing more than amazing hard work, effort and grind and sweat and tears and everything in between. And so Minicorp has always been an agency that has been set up to help to nurture and to grow those ideas together with our clients. But a byproduct of that is I get these ideas myself. I have different product ideas in my head that I've had for a substantial amount of time and have done little to nothing with them. And it's becoming frustrating now at this point. And I think there's other people within the Minicorp team who also have an idea or have ideas or we even collectively have some ideas together and we want to get them out there in the world. And this episode is going to be surrounding that whole that whole um, gamut or that whole different area of, of where the frustration is coming from. Okay, let's jump into the show. So I guess to kick off, to kick off, we are a services business. Minicorp, we sell time, you know, we're a, a services-based business. And so realistically, what we're saying to our clients is that in return for equity or capital or money or whatever it might be, we're going to provide our expertise, our services, we're going to work on your project. And realistically what we're selling is our time you know collectively as a business or as each individual person within the team we're kind of chopping it up in whatever shape or form we need to in order to deliver the best product to our clients but what we're saying to our clients is you come with the ideas and the domain knowledge of the different industry so for example if we're going to work on a I don't know a new Spotify or a taxi-based application or a camera application, we would ask that our clients have 
you know, a pretty high level of domain knowledge surrounding that industry, that they understand photography or they understand the music industry or the taxi industry, and they're going to bring that knowledge to the table. And then on the other side, on the Minicorp side, what we're going to do is provide, you know, the user experience, the user interface design. We're going to provide the product management, the product strategy, and the business models, all of the kind of, you know, different areas of digital products that there are. And, you know, what happens is when those two forces meet together and there is a really good collective team effort, as in, you know, we're all bonding really well together, we're all gelling really well together as a team, we tend to create some amazing products. We we get to launch and ship these wonderful different ideas and things and they come together into something that we're all really proud of as a team. I guess we kind of, we tend to work with our clients for, I guess the, the average now is probably about a year to a year and a half that a client will stay with us. And the point at which they'll leave is that we are absolutely not kidding ourselves. We know that the best way for a product to um, move quickly, make decisions quickly, is to have the engineering and design talent under the same roof, as in for those engineers and designers to work within that company, with that team, and for it not to be an agency-based model. But the reason that Minicorp exists is because at the very beginning of that process where somebody has an idea, um, what can be really difficult is to nurture or edge that little idea forward whilst in parallel starting your journey into hiring engineers and hiring designers and also starting your journey into creating a really good um, environment and a really good team, um, you know, everything that surrounds that. So imagine you're launching your idea. You're first of all trying to make sure that the team is gelling well together. You're also trying to make sure that your engineers are on point. You're trying to make sure that your designers are really good. Everyone's grasping the concept really well. And so the amount of um, potential areas for failure there are quite high. Um, rather than if you took your idea to an agency like Minicorp, to a product agency, we have our team dynamics down. We understand, um, we understand our team, we understand how we work well together, and we also will bring that kind of professional level to the very beginning of a product. And so you can kind of just remove that worry of team dynamics. You can remove that worry of um, making sure that they're really top-end engineers and really good top-end designers and start to really focus in on what you're trying to do. What you're trying to do is to validate that early stage concept, to validate that the idea actually, first of all, has a good probability of becoming successful. That when we launch it out there in the market, that people are going to receive it well and pay for it, which is a huge thing, like to actually part with their hard-earned cash in order to um, use or utilize the product. Huge thing. Um, and so that has been what we've been doing for nearly four years now. It's a mad amount of time. But we love it. We absolutely love it to bits. But we're a services business and we're selling our time. And so think about it almost like um, 
trains. My job as a CEO is to make sure that our, first of all, business development, then sales, then um, performance, all of those different trains are running on time. I never want to see a gap in between those trains, or do I? I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But essentially what I'm trying to do is to make sure that there is the right amount of trains, the right amount of velocity, and the right amount of carriages on every single train to make sure that the business is performing to a level that can sustain the entire team and that we can grow the business to a certain rate as well. But we can think about it as, you know, let's say when you open up your company for the first time, you have this train track or you've built this train track. And I guess for us, that train track would be our team. The train track is our product in a lot of different respects. And the next thing that we want to do is we want to get a client. And that first client is going to be our first train. If it's a big client, it may only be two carriages. If it's a medium client, it might be five carriages. If it's a huge client, it may be, you know, 10 carriage train. But the more amount of carriages that there are, the less um, availability that we have for other trains to use the same train tracks that we've built. And my job as the CEO of the company is to make sure that I'm almost like the train conductor. I can't believe how amazing this analogy is working out. This is class. Um, I like the train conductor. And what I'm trying to do is to make sure that all the trains are running at the right velocity or the right speed that there's no train crashes, there's no backlogs, there's no red lights that will stop the trains from moving um, and almost kind of create this blockage or you know, traffic jam, let's say, between all of the other trains that are coming behind it. But yeah, the problem with that is the people who are driving the trains and the people who are maintaining the tracks need to have enough time to invest back into themselves. That train driver needs their cup of tea, needs their lunch, needs to chill out and hang out with their family, needs to live their personal lives and all of that other kind of crack. The The train track, if we don't maintain them correctly, after a while, it doesn't matter. Well, actually it does. If we don't maintain the tracks, it's only a matter of time before they fail and then you know, we don't get to have any company or any product at all. So the maintenance on those tracks is almost essential. And having happy train drivers is essential. So what I'm trying to do at all times is to make sure that, you know, if I reduce the types of trains, so let's say I only go for three carriage trains and I go for the small end of the spectrum of the size of company, you can definitely speed trains through. You know, you can have more trains that are going on the track because they're shorter. But the flip side of that is you have a higher probability of a train failing. So if you have 10 trains that are running on the train, running on the track and the main carriage fails on one of them, then that means that nine other trains are going to fail. And the volatility of that for your business is huge. If you had medium sized trains, you know, the probability is less and so on. But (laughs) this is mad. Um, If you had, let's say, a 10 carriage train and that 10 carriage train stopped, the actual pain that that's going to have on the, the effect that that is going to have on the cash flow of the business is huge. And so, 
you kind of want to have this strange equilibrium or the same this strange kind of balance between the types of trains that you're allowing on your tracks and now i'm going to bump it up a gear so at the very beginning what we wanted to do is make sure that we had the most amazing train track possible in minicorp and that we maintained it and it was like you know like flipping bullet trains would use this train track um, only the best of the best, the ETGV trains over in Paris, like the, the absolute amazing trains that could go at a super high speed would use this track. And that's a really good point, actually. We want to make sure that we select the right clients who are able for the velocity at which we want to move product forward within Minicorp. Because if we get an old school train who's using our big shiny track, it's only a matter of time for we're going to get annoyed because we could have other people who are on that track instead and people who want to move at the same pace at which we want to move. But to go on to the next step up from this, the next step up is that we want to have not one, but two train tracks. So we want to have two product teams that are operating within Minicorp in parallel. Um, and so what we've gotten to is that the kind of secret sauce here and Jason Freed kind of put this um, seed within my mind a long time ago that there is a huge amount of benefit to having two engineers and one designer as a product team. I would say that I would go one step up and say two engineers and a designer, two engineers and a designer, two separate product teams and a product manager who is helping to support those teams. Because within design, you know, Design is closer to product than engineering is to product, I think. And the reason that I think that is that the complexity of how the user interface design actually operates has a huge implication on how the product is thought about. So let's think about a podcast microphone, for example. The engineer who is building the podcast microphone will get the quality down will get um, to make sure that it works every time and that all of the electronic engineering within the podcast microphone is rock solid. It's like that old feeling that you'd have about Apple computers that whenever you'd open up a Windows machine, the chances of it crashing is quite high. But Mac always had this feeling that it just works. Like your granny can open up a Mac computer and it will just work. And an engineer, you know, the top of their game is getting to that point where the code is so solid or the electronic engineering is so solid that no matter when you plug in this podcast microphone, it will just work. The designer, on the other hand, is looking at it from both a functional point of view, as in how is the person going to use this? Do they need you know, a pop filter? Do they need all of these other different accessories on their, on their microphone? How are they gonna use it? Are they gonna sit it on their desk? They knew like one of those boom arms of which they can kind of rotate the microphone around really easily. What's going to give them the best um, feeling and intent and utilization of this microphone? And then you have the other side of design, which is how do we make it look as beautiful as possible? How do we make people have a huge um, positive reaction and win wonderful design awards and everything that kind of sits in between that by using this microphone? But that design, that level of design of how a potential human is going to interface or use that product has a huge implication 
towards both the client and the consumer. So that's why I think that within those product teams, the designer is closer to the actual product itself. The engineers should really feed from, um, the designer should be kind of not necessarily leading, but helping the engineers to understand why the design is like this. Why have I thought about it this way? And why is it being created? Why is the design strategy um, this way? And then the engineers should also be feeding this information back to the designer and saying, you know, it sounds amazing to have an upside down microphone, but that's not how gravity works. So if we just turn it around, then within physics, it's possible to build this microphone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that there is some um, crazy design thinking that happens where a designer wants to go crazy and be abstract. And I think it was David Wall in Workgroup that said, you know, designers operate really well within boundaries. Um, we can go a little bit too high level, a little bit too crazy in our thinking. But if you have this kind of solid boundary or, or walls of which you can operate in, those constraints can often help to craft some of the best designs possible. So I guess that's what I was working closer and closer towards is having two distinct product trains or two distinct product train tracks running in parallel within Minicorp with the ideology of getting it from two to three to four to five and kind of growing out the whole um, business that way. But to go all the way back to the whole intent of this podcast, I find it difficult to launch my own ideas within my own product agency. And it sounds crazy and it's really frustrating. But from, you know, if I put on my Minicorp hat, my whole plan and my whole um, focus and clarity is on making sure that there is the right amount of trains operating in an extremely efficient manner, all within my beautiful train tracks. But then I take off that hat and I put on my, you know, ideas hat and I'm thinking, you know, you have designers, you have engineers, you have this amazing product team. Why can you not just focus on shipping your own product? That was like, you have everything that you need. Why not just carve out enough time within um, the schedule in order to make sure that you can slot in your own Brian Kenny slash Minicorp product into the mix? And that's, that's what I need to do. In order to kind of carve out that time, there's a couple of different ways that we can do it. There's number one, we increase our costs and there is no kind of other way of thinking about this, but you know, let's say you're taking in 10 euros per day. Each carriage on that train, let's say is worth 10 euros per day. Then if I'm gonna take one of those carriages away and slot in my Minicorp train, I need to get that 10 euros from somewhere or it's going to impact my margin, which could impact my cash flow, which could hurt the business and the whole train track starts to fall apart. So if I then charge a client and say, hey, it's not 10 euros a day, it's 15 euros a day and then take that additional margin in order to slot in my train is one way of thinking at it. But what I've noticed within the Dublin and Irish ecosystem is that it's really difficult for early stage companies to get funding. And I want to make sure that I'm offering an extremely competitive price point to all of our consumers, to all of our clients, to make sure that those ideas, those really, really clever ideas that struggle to find funding here still can get built. 
and can still see the light of day within this amazing um, world. Number two is that, you know, we start to look at possibilities of how we would gain extra time. So what I thought about there is that, hey, Brian, you know what, you have 24 hours in a day. Let's say you have six that are dedicated to sleep that leaves you with 18. Um, let's say you work a regular 10 hour day that would be, you know, you have eight hours left there. Carve out another three for, well, let's say two, two for family and for chilling out. That leaves you with six, you know, six hours per day. Let's say two of those are in commuting. That's down to four. So like there is the possibility of slotting in, even if I took an hour a day and slowly edged the idea forward over a period of time, you could make some pretty significant impact on the idea and where the product would go. The problem with that is I love what I do to a point that my ambition far exceeds, my ambition far exceeds what I'm actually capable of. I'm a pretty good engineer and a pretty good designer, but when it comes to you know shipping iPhone apps and Android apps, I'm probably not the best. And the idea that I have in my head at the moment is, you know, it's completely native for iPhone and native for Android. So then I would have to learn how to write these different things because I just feel, I would feel really unfair asking, you know, the people within Minicorp, hey, are you happy to like work out of the hours or, you know, work two o'clock in the night or whatever it is? I think that, you know, they should be focused on what they're focused on. I'm really lucky to have such an amazing team and to ask them to just give up their free time to dedicate to an idea is hard. I should ask, but I find it hard. Um, or the third one is that I hire. So you kind of, you think about the margin that you're currently making in the business um, and you reinvest some of that money back into the business in order to hire your next product team. But maybe you know, we could use some of those hires in order to build or ship the next version of the app or to ship the first version of the application. I don't know, but they're kind of like the main, the main ways in which I'm trying to gain space. And space is a really important one when it comes to the train thing. The amount of space in between trains, if it's not correct, then you're gonna get a traffic jam. You're gonna get, you know, trains hitting other trains projects derailing, um, lots of issues, upset clients, products not getting shipped on time, all of that kind of stuff. So gaining the right amount of space is one thing. Um, and then when you place your other product within that space, you want to make sure that it is just perfect, but it has the contingency and buffers within it to make sure that everything operates pretty nicely. Um, but yeah, that's it. They're my frustrations. They're my frustrations on why I can't ship a product right now. These are the things that I'm working on. Um, and I'm trying to find like a solution and I will find a solution. Like I've absolutely no doubt that I'll find a solution. It's good crack. And you know, I'm an extremely lucky boy. <laughs> I am like, I have an amazing office in WeWork of which when I was like four or five years old, I would only have dreamed of. I have two screens that are like 27 inches that, like when I was a kid, these were the things that I would literally salivate on. I have like a new MacBook and a new iPhone and an Apple Watch and all of these things that I could 
like they were my life when I was a kid. And now like I'm worried about time and stuff. Like I should just really be happy on the things that I do have. Um, and I am really happy on the things that I do have. I think I'm just overall really nostalgic. Um, but yeah, okay. Thank you all very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, a big hug, a big kiss to all of the people who are consistently listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, please hit me up, send a message and just say hi, because that's probably the biggest impact that I get on these podcasts when I get these random kind of messages saying, love the last episode or that last episode was class. So please, on any social media network, you'll find me, send me a message. Let's chat. Okay, cool. Chat to you guys in the next one. Cheers. Bye.